0: pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Bailey, welcome back to Confessions of a Crappy Christian.
1: Oh, thank you. Truly, this is exciting.
0: It is. We had to, I had to go back and look before we started recording. You were episode 22 in the first year of the show.
1: That's wild. I but I remember it being so fun. Truly. I yeah. remember us finishing and being like, that was great. <laughs> was well, like, and like so wonderful.
0: That was so great. And it's just gonna be great again. I mean, you have like a whole nother kid. Yeah. Like, I mean, a whole nother book. So much has happened in the last 192, mm-hmm. three years, three years, two years, three years. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to get into it. So your book. Together is a beautiful place comes out in May. It's just kind of the heart of finding and keeping and loving our friends. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yes. So, Together is a beautiful place stemmed out of a time in my life when togetherness was not beautiful. I was in college and I was really wrestling with feeling really lonely. I feel like now, you know, it's like now I can step out of the situation and look back and I can see. All of the things that honestly, I was misinterpreting and uh, the expectations and just truly like not knowing. I felt like I was like just in a tornado of chaos and loneliness and like sadness. I could not step out of it. So when I moved out of college and started my young adult life here in Denver, I started community from scratch. Mm -hmm. But I kind of took the good from childhood, took the bad from college and said, I'm going to find friends and kind of meet in this happy medium, feeling like I had a fresher, more healthy, more like biblically grounded perspective on how community exists and what it can Mm -hmm. look like. And also like, how does it look like being in this current phase where people are very transient and people are stepping into new jobs and new motherhood or five kids or moving, whatever it might be. And so now having been in Denver for eight plus years, feeling like. I'm certainly not perfect, but this has just been such a pinnacle part. I think of feeling a part of the family of God, being away from family, kind of creating that community mm-hmm. that feels like you are known and loved and belong. You can kind of create that togetherness that you are you have really longed for. Mm-hmm. I really like this idea that like that connection and that closeness that you want. I think that we all really want like God wants that for us too. And he wants us to, I think, feel like we have a place where we are safe to be ourselves and safe Mm -hmm. enough that we then have the risk to go out into the world and try new things and use our gifts and talents. But like we need that home to be able to do that. So together is a beautiful place kind of walks you through from the very beginning. If you're like, I am a zero, like I have zero friends and I don't know what to do, but how you can discern, What kind of friends you're looking for but then it walks into some of the deeper stuff for those who are like i've been doing friendship for a while and it's been weird and i'm starting to have friendship breakups that are painful and i don't know how to be a part of my social anymore because i'm embarrassed or i have shame so it kind of walks through those things as well to hopefully come to a place where you say even though community is hard and it can be messy and I've had my feelings hurt in the past. Like, I can still see that there is a beauty that the Lord has for his people still coming together. And I think that outweighs the ugliness that we can sometimes see. Some ways, like the cost, the cost is worth it. And absolutely. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Well, and I,
0: scripture is so clear about the importance of community. And I'm thankful. that because it's not something that I think I would naturally lend myself to. Like I jokingly, genuinely jokingly be like, I don't really play well with others. (laughs) Like I'm just like naturally kind of, I would rather have quality over quantity. Like I'd rather have like two friends that I talk to all the time, you know, than be a part of a big group. And like, neither is right or wrong in my opinion. I think it we just all gravitate to and are created differently, but Like God doesn't play when it comes to like, I mean, look, if you look back at creation, like from day one, God was like, we're not supposed to be alone. You know, you're supposed to have, we're supposed to be walking through life together. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what happens when you don't Mm -hmm. like when you aren't walking in community, Mm -hmm. kind of what
1: the impacts of that are? Yes. I think when you're not walking in community, I think, the realness of life and the things that you wrestle with are just like in an echo chamber. Mm. And I believe one of the best things about community is that it's a place you can come and you can kind of weigh your doubts or bring your fears to and you're not just like sitting with that by yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel like isolation is a choice people often make when The community asks too much of you because they are asking you to commit time to bear Mm -hmm. each other's burdens to show up when maybe you would rather stay home it takes a lot of energy to be in community with other people or to be a good friend it is work yeah and so i think when you're choosing to not be a part of that you definitely i think experience just yeah the feelings of like isolation depression it's even been linked to like friendship has been linked to physical and mental health. So I think you would have probably struggled with some mental health issues as well as they talk about the longevity of life. Yeah, Like your pressure is higher, right? Like you are at risk for, I don't know, chronic illnesses when you are not like living in community. And I think the biggest thing is support. Yes. Even if you aren't, texting friends all the time to say, I need you to help. Give me a ride. I need help to pay my rent. I need you to make dinner for me. Like that's, I think what people think friendship means. Mm. Like I like really do those things, but it is just knowing you have someone to call. If you needed to call someone, it's that support. Yeah. Again, I've been like kind of diving into more of the science, scientific things, but research has shown that even perceived support. So just, again, just knowing that it's there Mm. gives Same benefits as like banking in on that support. So wow. Just having friends, having people in your phone, you know, you can call like that. Those give the exact same benefits as someone coming over to your house and sitting with you as you, I don't know, are crying or working through something really hard. Just
0: knowing it's there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I loved something you said earlier about it makes us safe to take risks. Yes, That's when you said that I was like, that's it. That's what it is. Like I've, I've talked a few times, both on the show and on Instagram about kind of being in a new friendship season right now Mm -hmm. of not necessarily new friends, but just reaching new degrees or levels where exactly what you said is what's happening. They make me feel safe Mm -hmm. enough between them and my family and my husband to turn around and like take risks. Because if it, and I think that there's two sides of that coin, right? I think some of us, I think we all fear failure and probably fear success a little bit as well. Yeah. And so knowing that I have that backing, I can go out and if I fail, I know I've got a place to fall back and if I succeed. I know that I have friends that are going to be like, when are we going to dinner? Where can I show up with balloons? Like, heck yes, we did, we did it. And that has been, that's been life-changing. Yes, a hundred percent. And I love that you put words that safe to take <laughs> risks. When you said it, I was like, oh, "Yes, that's exactly what it is." So, what do you think holds us back? from experiencing that kind of friendship. Like, let's move away from maybe like more surface level. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of like, let's bring back the word acquaintance. Like you're my acquaintance. You're not really my friend. 100%. Like, and that's, and that's not a, that's not a dig. Like you just, uh-huh. we're not there maybe we will be one day, but we're not there and that's okay. Yeah. What do you think it is that like, or is it lies? Is it expectations? Is it our own insecurity? All the above probably that holds us back from like that deeper level or degree of friendship.
1: You're right that it's a variety of factors. I've started friendship coaching in the last year. And I think the biggest thing that I see that never gets talked about is the narratives that we carry around with us from friendship to friendship. And I'm talking like we could go way back to the middle school playground. Amen. But at some point, if someone has told you, you aren't funny who knows like you aren't funny or nobody really likes spending time with you or you had a friendship breakup five years ago that was a ghosting situation and you still haven't had resolution or any kind of closure that you still kind of carry that around with you into your future friendships yes you have sensitive like points that your future friends don't know like the minefields that they're going to (laughs) be oh my gosh yes and so i think either personally like we have barriers and walls put up because we think okay i can't trust people anymore i trusted that one friend and she went and shared it to everybody else so that means all my other friends are going to do that too yes you know i had a really painful friendship breakup that was sparked what i felt like out of nowhere so meaning we were good friends we were spending time together she was babysitting my children and all of a sudden I was like, let's get coffee and no response, you know, like a couple of days go by, Hey, like did that time not work? Let's do another time. And she still didn't respond. And I was like, Oh no, something has happened. So I called mm-hmm. her. She didn't answer, but you know, then immediately texts, like you hurt my feelings. And like, I don't ever want to talk to you again. Like this friendship is over. And I was like, Oh wow. Like, can we talk on the phone? I have no idea where this is coming from. I'd love to under, like hear you and apologize for something that maybe I didn't know hurt your feelings. And she didn't want to communicate any further. But what's interestingly enough is from that point on, my insecurity was heightened. Anytime a friend did not text me back immediately, I began to think, oh, my goodness, they landed where this girl is over something and they don't like me anymore. And I would get extremely anxious. And so that was like even probably like a lesser version. But it's something I carried with me for months and months until I've kind of healed and reminded myself that my friends like me and it's okay. if they Respond right away, but I would honestly spiral out of control. And so again, that for me was even just this moment of like, I'm carrying on this narrative that if my friends don't communicate back right away, or they don't affirm me every five seconds that they like me, that they hate me yeah. and they don't want to be my friend anymore. And so I think these are the things we don't actually consciously realize we're bringing into our relationships moving forward, especially when we get into the things of friendship. Oftentimes in coaching things as people talk, I'll see like patterns and trends of like you've mentioned a couple of times that people have made comments that you're not very good at like making friends. Like, do you think that's true about yourself? Mm. And so I think even for those listening right now, kind of just take a moment and pause and say, what do I actually tell myself about friendship? And is it true? Mm. And if I've been using these like shameful narratives for a long time or fear-based or whatever it is. What scripture can like come in and say that's actually not like that's not real, yeah, that's not true at all, or that's not what friendship is meant to look like, and kind of start speaking to yourself the opposite. And so, for me, it was kind of reminding myself that, like, okay, she didn't text back this afternoon, like, she loves me, it is okay, yeah, until I kind of moved away from it, um, until things kind of healed up, and I was like, this, I know that this is not what friendship looks like, and. I don't know. Like, have you experienced any of that yourself?
0: Uh hundred (laughs) percent. I love that you use the word minefield. Like that you're, well, you're essentially people, if you don't heal, people are walking into a minefield. And I think what's important is that, because I know that everybody that's listening, they probably have their thing. Like something popped to mind where they're like, oh, this is what I've carried from the past and the future. And I think what's important at least the cycle that I've gotten stuck in is knowing about that thing and just feeling like crap about it. Mm-hmm. And like almost being like, okay, this thing sucks. And it also makes me not worth being friends with because this thing is going to be hard when the reality is, is that God's going to like bring people into your life to help you process that. Like he's so sweet and He's so good. And he's so faithful to do this thing. So mind carrying from a past, I, I mean, always in all aspects of my life, it's like the too much, right? I'm too much too loud. I'm too, I have too much anxiety. I whatever. And so, you know, now kind of talking about having some of the healthier, more christ centered quality friendships than I've really ever had. Mm -hmm. I find my my friends are like, I swear, if you don't stop apologizing for being a person, I'm going to come hit you. Like I'm going to come there and, and hurt you, you know? Like you're, like you're apologizing for who you are, for the way that you respond to things. I found myself even, and this is, I think this is more common than maybe people talk about, apologizing for like successes. I know this is really annoying, but oh my gosh, my podcast hit this many downloads. And they're like, how, It in what world is that annoying? How is that supposed to be annoying? You know what I mean? But if in the past you've been penalized for success, mm-hmm. then you carry that forward. And it is such a minefield and people don't I think the thing about a minefield is I don't even know that you're stepping on a mine Mm -hmm. until you step on it. Yes. And I'm like, Oh crap, wait, don't move. Hold on. Wait, we got to figure this out for a second. You know
1: that, or it explodes. And yeah, I think it's on both, both people, probably more on ourselves because we haven't communicated about it or we didn't even know it was there Yeah, until yeah, they pressed the wrong button and we're like, Oh, this hurts.
0: Yeah. But I think that's such an underutilized and under talked about aspect. Well, I say it's under talked about. I feel like we talk about grace on such a surface level, Mm -hmm. grace upon grace. We put it on coffee mugs and we put it on t-shirts. Are we like living out what great because grace is undeserved merit. Yeah. Undeserved, unearned merit. Are we extending that to people? No. Present company included. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I like to think that as I get older and I understand the concept of grace more, that I'm better at extending it to people. Mm-hmm. But I think it's that undeserved part that I just had a little bit of like a tiff with a close friend, like just the other day, and it hurt my feelings and it hurt her feelings. But it, in the end, we ended up right after sitting down and being like, I'm not upset with you. That was just a difficult situation. And we talked about it. And now we're totally fine. I can tell you now. Two years ago, I would have been like, don't ever talk to
1: me like that again. And got in my car and leave, left. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that, Blake, is that I also feel like it shows the value. Like we know friendship is so valuable, but we're not actually living mm. like it's that valuable. Because in a dating relationship, if your significant other or whatever your dating person made mistakes or Mm -hmm. stepped on things that were painful or whatever. We're just always giving second chances. And we're more willing to like work it out because this is so important. Like what if I marry this person, you know, like this could go all the way. And it's someone you dated for like five months, you know, like, (laughs) I just think like in our, like, I don't know if it's cultural that we've decided this, that like, okay, I'm going to give this person second chances. I'm going to show them grace. Like they didn't know. Like, I feel like I've had so many conversations with girlfriends of like, they're dating someone and they just, You're just like, no more. But with friends, it's like, she did that one thing. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to take the time to work it out with her, to reconcile, to understand. There's just so much less. It's disposable. Like, our friendships are disposable. Right. And they're really not. (laughs) No, they shouldn't be. In general, they shouldn't be. And especially as adult women, like, they're not disposable. But I think we treat them that way. And you're right. Our lack of, like, grace for... Hard situations, we're just more willing to be like, eh, I'm not gonna. It's it's a hard thing. Yeah, wow.
0: yeah. I don't want to do the hard thing. I don't want to have the hard conversation. What are some like rhythms? I know you talk about friendship rhythms. That's another thing that I don't feel like is really talked about is how to nurture our friendships beyond like a girls' night. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's great. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I love a good margarita. I love some chips and queso <laughs> with my girls hundred percent. But I know, especially as believers, there has to be more to how we're nurturing and caring for our friendships beyond kind of like what the world, the prescription the world has
1: given us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really good. Like it's a wonderful question. So I will just use an example of a friend here in Denver, because I feel like we have multiple facets being built upon our friendship we're both mothers. We both have like part-time stay at home jobs and we live about like 20 minutes apart, which is pretty far for friendship. Yeah. Your friendships honestly, the ones that you like can keep consistently are usually within like 15 minutes or less from where you live. And so we joke that we're long distance friends <laughs> but what We do is that we're like, okay, we need to be seeing each other in person once a week. And usually it's, we're going to, you know, tackle the nap time schedules. We're going to find those windows. And make it work. But then we're also going to be reading the same books, so we'll call each other and we'll like talk about the chapters that we read. And then we're also going to make sure that hey, like, are you coming to church on Sunday? Like, I'm going to see you there. Mm-hmm. We'll catch up a little bit, and then maybe we can get together without our families, you know, for a walk in the afternoon. And then we're Marco Poloing every day. You know, it's like Love every Marco morning Polo. he drives home from the gym, and she Marco Polo's me, and like you know, gives me a little down low on what she's thinking about in the morning. And we're texting and we're messaging each other on social media. Like there, that could sound overwhelming to some people, but when you have those one or two special friends and you're like, I want this to be deep and I want there to be rhythms for that. That is like, not just the, like, yeah, we, yeah, we did a girl's night and it happens like what? Like once every three months in in my life. Right. And so it is building upon all of these little things. And then I know people often say the cliche, invite them into your chaos, like, have them go to the grocery store with you. I mean, that's great. I usually don't like my friends to come to grocery with me because that's like not life-giving. Yeah. But for us, I'm like, I think it's okay to say use with the tools you have, like use Marco Polo. Yes. I'm Marco Polo constantly, but you know what? I feel connected. I feel yes. joy. It happens in my margins of my day. That's really wonderful for me. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, use what you got. Like, I love that. Send each other the podcast and then like agree to say. Let's listen to this podcast together and then let's Marco Polo about it. Yeah. Or let's do a quick 15 minute FaceTime. Again, something about rhythms, when you create them, you become so comfortable and familiar with them that it's no longer mm, uncom- like awkward that, you know, yes. I don't want to call my friends. It's going to be a 45 minute phone call. Yes. That feels, again, overwhelming, scary. I don't want to do it. Yeah, but if you're like, man, if every Tuesday, every other day, I'm calling someone and we're like catching up and praying together for ten minutes while we like drive home from school drop off, like that is wonderful, and that becomes normal, and that becomes a regular connection point between the two of you. And so you're right, like it doesn't have to be this, you know, like yeah, we're doing these big wild things every day, right? So close and connected. Um, It's true what they say that like ordinary friendship can really build something extraordinary. It's really just that that commitment and finding creatively like ways yeah. that work for y'all to connect.
0: I do love the, I mean, communication is just so important and I love, love Marco Polo. I stay on Marco Polo. I mean, both of my assistants are on Marco Polo. So that's a lot of what we use to communicate because for a lot, like even on that capacity, just nurturing employee or whatever, friendship like we, we used to just talk on Slack and I finally got to a point where I was like, I don't like that we only talk to each other in text. Like I want to see your face. And it yeah. makes, I mean, a world of difference where, you know, for two years now I've been communicating with one of my assistants exclusively via like email and Slack. And now we Marco Polo all the time. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I get to like see your face and it's so fun. And I'm, so if you don't know what Marco Polo is, you need to download it. because it's the best. Yeah. My best friend lives in Michigan and I live in Louisiana. So we use it all the time, needless to say. But I love the reality is that so many of the things that you said are just communication based. Yes. It's just making the time. If you can spend that time scrolling TikTok or scrolling Instagram, and I don't mean that in a shamey way, like why not leverage that time to touch base with somebody that you care about? Totally. Or send them the funny TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's so good. So let's talk just a little bit about friendship and being a mom. Okay. Yeah. Because it does make things a little bit different. It just does. Like our schedules are so different. What is required of us changes. I was thinking about this earlier. when We were talking, what is something, and I'm putting you a little bit on the spot, but what is something that you wish you would have known about nurturing friendships before you became a mom that you like could have done differently?
1: That's tough. I will say I carried a lot of fear that I was going to lose all of my friends. Mm. So I might've been a little bit of like the opposite of what, where most people land that I sacrificed my sanity and my Mm. family to make sure that I didn't become boring and yeah. Unrelatable and like stuck in a schedule kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I could go back, I probably would give myself more freedom to like say no to things. Yeah. But then also I think as moms, especially if you're with friends who are in different seasons of life, I mean, things just change. It's going to be different. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be different. And that was very hard to be living in a reality that did not match up with my expectations for what my friendships would be like. And so when friends did last minute plans, like I felt very hurt, Mm. I felt like you aren't thinking about me or considering my situation. And so I think a lot of my turmoil in friendship in motherhood has been feeling left behind. Mm. And I don't think that's abnormal. I think a lot of like moms can feel that way.
0: Absolutely. And I think that probably resonates with more people than you think that they sacrificed Nap time schedules, or like whatever brings you sanity for the sake of holding on to their friendships. I did that a little bit where I was like, I, I'm not being bound to this crib and uh-huh. this baby. Whereas retrospectively, I probably could have slowed down a little bit. Like, I probably could have not done as many play dates. And I think that, you know, that there's like two sides of that, right? Because then there's the friends that, no, I can't go anywhere because so-and-so naps at 11 and I'm not missing that. Right. There's gotta be some like happy medium there where you have some flexibility, but you still have some structure. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way as you do. Like retrospectively, I think I would have just, like you said, like slowed down a little bit. And like, because it was, we were like, you're white knuckling your friendships out of fear rather than trusting God with them, trusting that they love you. And that like, you're going to kind of like navigate this together essentially.
1: Right. And I think that really shows that, the lack of, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but basically we, we kind of put our friends in this position of saying like, you won't be willing to change as I change. Yeah. And I think that that doesn't give them the opportunity to, to try. Right. So again, especially when you're, maybe you just got married and your other friends aren't married yet. And like that changes things too. Like you got someone else you are responsible for. Absolutely. And I think allowing your friends to change jobs to change the way they i don't know just like who they are yes and not maybe keeping them in this box of like this is how our friendship started i've always known you as my roommate in college and this is what we did and this is how our friendship worked and this is how i understand how we connect and relate but now things are different and weird and so are we not friends or is this over I don't. I don't know the new you, and I think instead we need to really approach friendships in different seasons to say this is my opportunity to learn Mm -hmm. maybe the new you to walk alongside as you explore what your new rhythms look like, how you are becoming a wife, how you are becoming a mother, how you are getting this new job promotion, and like there's a curious nature to okay, what does our friendship look like now? It's different. Okay, that's not bad. Just how are we going to function in this new? a new box that's really yeah created, but I do think we will lose grip of our friendships if we try to make them only exist back in the past and what yes. we've known be, um, because we're going to change.
0: Yes. We're going to change. And we're supposed to, but, and I think that there's some duplicity there as well of like one of the hardest things that I've had to learn is that some of our friendships are for a season. Mm-hmm. Yes you know, some friendships were, are meant to serve a purpose, either you for them or them for you, or both of you for one another in a season. And like that there's something it, it, to me, those are different than friendship breakups. Yes. The ones where you just kind of like you walk into a different season and things kind of, I actually talk about this in my book that's coming out way after yours about this. Like I kind of use this analogy of a sweater. And how like a sweater is so woven together that typically when it comes apart, it rips and like there's fragmentation and it hurts, but sometimes like the threads just loosen and kind of like come apart from one another and nothing is broken and no one's hurt. And you still have so much love for one another, but you're just like your friendship, maybe one of you moves and things just naturally. And I think I have in the past white knuckled those as well. And God's literally had to been like, be like, they are still a person in your orbit. Yeah. It's okay for it to not be what it was. And so yeah. I think like that's discernment, right? Is like, and the, thankfully the Holy Spirit cares about us and our friendships and our community enough to do exactly what you're saying of, is this just something where we need to like give one another grace for change? Right. Or is this something where we need to give one another grace that like, that season's coming to a close and that
1: doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just different. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. I like that sweater analogy a lot because you're right. I think those are honestly the more beautiful a hundred percent. You just like have this respectful care for them. Yes. You realize that you're not call- you're not talking every day anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. Hey. Okay. And again, yeah. There is shame of like, I should have done more. Or you think back to that friendship, oh, if only I did this, could we have still been friends? I think it's okay to say, no, like, yeah, we didn't need to be friends anymore. Yeah. Like, the time is over. And that, again, I always kind of go back to roommates because I had wonderful roommates in college that I don't talk to anymore. But in that season, like, I needed them. Yeah. And God gave you them. Yes. And they carried me through things that, like, I could not have done alone. And a party feels like, wow, that was so monumental. We friends forever. And, you know, we're not. And like, yeah. I think like this respectful memory of like. Oh, exactly. God, so wonderful. And I like care about them. And you love them. Like, you're I, I,
0: I feel the same way about my college roommates. Like one of them, we've been friends since we were in kindergarten. So she's like legit oh. stuck with me forever. But the others, some of the other girls that I live with I feel exactly the same way. Like there's no hard feelings. There's no bad blood. We walked through whatever the ridiculousness was of college. <laughs> and like you said, like carried one another through it. And I learned so much from them. And like, it's like almost like, it just goes like, poof. and you're like, I don't, like, cause I look, think back and I'm like, I don't even really re- remember like what, how or why we stopped talking as much as we did. We graduated yeah. it and we got married and some of us moved. And like, like, that's ideal. That would be, I would take that every single time Serious over like a divorce, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And that's something I, we're not going to talk a ton about like friendship breakups, but that's something that you address in the book as well. Just kind of navigating that and how to handle that is something that you've talked about a lot on your platform that I've talked about as well. Mm-hmm. What's kind of your like main piece of advice for that, for navigating friendship breakups?
1: It's always communication and doing it as quickly as possible. Yeah. And again you're only responsible for what you can control so when that advice is given i understand sometimes people are just like Mm-mm, like we're not talking block you we're done there's you know no opportunity to reconcile yeah but having walked through friendship breakups that it's just so important don't yeah. leave room for assumptions to fill yeah. in the gaps that like didn't even need to be there i'm yeah. always like assumptions like cause more drama on drama now you're like, she probably meant to say it this way. She probably did that because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, just go back to like what happened in the moment. What are the facts? And then you need to talk through it. Yeah. Person. You need to talk it out. And whenever people do come and they're like, this is how I'm feeling. And I'm always say, well, you can say that you can say exactly what you just said. I don't think it's offensive, but they just can't read your mind. So you got to say. Oh, yeah so that's always whenever anyone's like i'm in a friendship breakup or like we had some kind of conflict i'm like you need to kind of turn around and you got to talk it out yeah i think that's so important so that and to be above reproach to be like i did everything i possibly could to find yeah to find peace or to say i'm sorry you don't have to be friends but you do need to forgive so
0: yes i completely agree i've walked through three pretty brutal ones kind of back to back in the last three years and it sucked (laughs) and there's, I can, some of it look back and see, I wish that we would have been more communicative that I wish that we would have had that, this conversation then, and that I would have been thinking that way. But then also the ones where I do, I can look back and be like, I did everything I could. Yeah. Like I, there are ones where my husband was like, you have to stop. You, you, I can't. He's I mean, one of them he was like, I can't keep watching you
1: Aww.
0: like put your head on the chopping block. Yeah. You've done enough. You have done your part. You need to let this go. And so I think that's really good advice for really sucky situations. I hate it. That's what like friendship breakups or something. I wouldn't wish that on anybody.
1: Absolutely not. I think out of all the things that have happened in my life, those are probably like my greatest wins.
0: A hundred percent. I've never been divorced. I imagine that's worse. But probably true. I, what one or two of the friendship breakups, like I was saying, my husband has been like, I've never seen something take you out like this. As I have friendship breakup, it sucks, but like God is so good and he is such a God of redemption.
1: Uh, yes. So if
0: you're in the midst of it, please know that there is like hope and goodness on the other side. Like he's going to keep bringing people into your life. You just have to be open to receiving them, which is the tricky part. Because when you get hurt like that, you're like, all right walls up. Nobody is ever giving in again. <laughs> and then the only person that p- pays that price is you. Bailey, thank you so much for such a great conversation. Tell people I'm sure they can get together as a beautiful place where wherever they get books, tell people where they can connect with you online.
1: Yeah, that's great. So for, I think like friendship resources or looking at coaching, there's baileythurley.com. And then for like that daily conversation, it lives on Instagram, which is bailey.t.hurley